Hello, and welcome to My Black Mental Health. I'm your host, Ty Dyer, a second-year counselor in training at Florida International University. I'm currently studying to get my master's in clinical mental health. Please join me today for a mental health talk. Hello and welcome to What's the Diagnosis, a new segment on My Black Mental Health where I'll be explaining different mental health disorders. Today we are starting with anxiety. What is it? How does it affect the black community? And how can we combat it? So what is anxiety? From a counselor's perspective, anxiety is a disorder defined by the American Psychiatric Association as a normal reaction to stress. Anxiety refers to the anticipation of the future concern. It is more associated with muscle tensions and avoidance behavior. Anxiety disorder differs from your normal feelings of nervousness or even anxiousness. It includes an excessive amount of fear and overthinking. So what does this mean? Fear is an emotional response to the immediate threat and is more associated with the flight or fight reaction. Either staying to fight or leaving to escape the danger. Anxiety can cause people to avoid situations that trigger or worsen those symptoms. Job performance, school and work, and personal relationships can be affected. There are a few different types of anxiety disorders one can be diagnosed with. Today I'm gonna be talking about generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, specific phobias and agoraphobia, social anxiety disorder, and separation anxiety. So let's get right in with GAD, which is general anxiety disorder. It involves persistent and excessive worry that interferes with daily activities. It is usually ongoing worrying and tension may be accompanied by these physical symptoms of restlessness, feeling on edge, being fatigued, difficulty concentrating, mental tension, and sleeping problems. So what does GAD look like? In the black community, it may look like obsessing over the future. It could be obsessing over future payments, bills. It could be, um, like I said, the physical symptoms where you have muscle tensions and you have sleep problems. And you're probably associating this with being tired because you're probably working a lot because you are trying to afford the bills that you are uh, stressing about. Generalized anxiety disorder can persist for at least six months or longer depending on you know the situation if you seek out help and what you do to combat it basically. Moving on to panic disorder. Panic disorder is an overwhelming combination of physical and psychological distress. Some of the common symptoms of a panic disorder is panic attacks. During a panic attack, one can feel palpitations, heart pounding, rapid heartbeat, sweating, trembling, or shaking. They can feel a shortness of breath, chest pains, dizziness, lightheaded, or faint. The feeling of choking, tingling, or numbness. This comes from usually your fingers, your, your limbs, whatnot and chills or hot flashes, just to name a few. You may have some of the feelings of being detached, a fear of losing control, or even the fear of dying. Symptoms are so severe with 
panic disorder, many people who experience panic attacks may believe that they are having a heart attack and go to the ER. Panic attacks can occur with other mental health disorders such as depression or PTSD. And the mean age for onset for panic disorder is 22 to 23. My personal opinion on this is that that is a sensitive time for transition. You are transitioning either from adult um, college life to adult life or transitioning to career roles in your life and it is a stressful time and especially with the black community we go off to college we graduate and then we deal with the stress of finding a corporate entry-level job this transitional period can cause panic disorders imposter syndrome and a whole host of other mental health disorders now moving on to specific phobias specific phobia is an excessive persistent fear of a specific object situation or activity that is generally not harmful. The fear causes such distress that some people go to extreme lengths to avoid what they fear. Some examples of specific phobias are a fear of flying or a fear of spiders. But don't think of it as you see a household spider and you're afraid so you don't kill it or you don't get near it. It's to the point where the fear of spiders is so so deep it's irrational you know it's irrational but you will leave your room and you don't come back for days at a time or you miss out on important events because of your fear of flying prevents you from getting on the plane now under the same kind of umbrella category is agoraphobia most people kind of have a general idea what this phobia is it's the fear of being in situations where escape may seem difficult embarrassing or the help might not be available when the panic symptoms arise. The fear is out of proportion to the actual situation and lasts generally for about six months or more and causes problems in everyday life functioning. A person with agoraphobia experiences this fear in one or two of the following ways. Using public transportation, in open spaces, being in enclosed spaces, standing in light or being in crowds, or a fear of leaving their home. Agoraphobia can get really bad to the point where people sometimes actually don't leave their houses at all. They fear the unknown of the outside world so much that they just decide to hold up in their houses and they tend to feel symptoms of panic attacks kind of close to what you would feel with panic disorder when either trying to leave their house or doing something that something like standing in crowds or whatever it is that the agoraphobic fear is, you know? So some of the treatments for agoraphobia is exposure therapy. Exposure therapy sounds exactly what the word sounds like. You gradually expose the client to the fear. It works with specific phobias and it works with agoraphobia. And it's um, an evidence-based practice what you would do, um, there's different ways to go about this. So I think it's really cool that now they're trying to create um, reality, virtual reality worlds that the client can put on the, the little glasses and it can simulate the thing or the place that they have a fear in. So then therapists can work with the client and they can um, simulate them leaving their houses without them actually having to. They can simulate them being in a room with spiders or whatnot and um they slowly introduce the stimuli 
over a course of sessions until the client is either able to do it on their own in the real world or able to do it in the virtual world. And then they would make that step to introducing, you know, smaller stimuli into the actual world and let the patient or client go ahead and um, expose themselves to it. With certain things that people have panic attacks or um, social anxiety with, sometimes they'll use exposure therapy as well (laughs) to um, combat that. With social anxiety, they'll simulate that you are in, you know, a bar or you're in a crowd or in an elevator and you have to, you know, be around people or interact and they'll give you homework assignments to kind of do on your own that that are similar to what you would do in the virtual world or in the real world. I just thought that is super cool with the way um, technology and counseling have merged together. Moving on to social anxiety, which is abbreviated as SAD. A person with social anxiety disorder has a significant amount of anxiety and discomfort about being embarrassed, humiliated, rejected, or looked down on in social interactions. People with this disorder will try to avoid situations or endure it with a great amount of anxiety. Some common examples of this is um, extreme fears of public speaking making and meeting new friends, people, or even eating in public. The fear and the anxiety causes problems with daily life functioning and can last at least six months. When doing research for social anxiety disorder, a lot of articles came up on Summer Walker. She is an R&B recording artist who experienced a lot of backlash when she came out about having social anxiety disorder. Summer Walker experiences what I believe is stage fright and the fear is so so great that the anxiety causes her to either sing lower, counsel, meet and greets, and she fears the rejection from us at the same time. So it affects her performance and affects the quality of the work that she puts out. I commend her for coming out about her anxiety and doing what she felt was necessary to combat it. The only thing that kind of rubs me the wrong way about the Summer Walker situation or any artist that comes out about a mental health disorder is how fans react to it. I feel that if we are fans of this artist, we would want them to be in their best health and their best performance and, you know, be in their right space of mind to be able to even meet them. So there was a lot of backlash when she came out about having social anxiety and they did like deep dives on her past life and they were saying how does she have social anxiety when she used to do this? How does she have social anxiety when she can be, you know, twerking with her man here? And it's just all a misconception of what social anxiety is. It's not necessarily that you're afraid of every social interaction that, you know, that happens. It's just like any mental health disorder where you may have a specific form of it or there might be a specific trigger for it and with summer walker she never came out and said what her specific you know fear was but it has to do with you know meeting other people for one is which is why she canceled her meet and greets she is more into spirituality and energies and she believes that some people have you know bad energies and she just didn't want to interact with that and interacting with your fans that look up to you can be hard when you have this fear of rejection that we might not like you or what have you. I'm not saying that's necessarily her case, but I'm just saying that, you know, as a community, I would have felt that we should have supported her a little bit more instead of 
being mad that she canceled certain things or you know postponed her dates or what have you because at the end of the day she's looking out for her mental health and what is the best in her interest and in the best interest of her fans because then she was also getting backlash for not being as you know what fans expected her to be in the meet and greets or at the shows because she was either sitting down or on her phone or what have you but she is putting herself through this extreme anxiety to satisfy you guys but still at the end of the day it wasn't working out so what was in the best interest was to cancel the rest of those dates on the tour or cancel um the meet and greets in general because it wasn't working out and i would prefer that versus her being extremely anxious and you know putting herself through that mentally lastly i'm going to be talking about separation anxiety separation anxiety it is an excessive fear or anxiousness about being separated from those whom he or she is attached to. The feeling is beyond what is appropriate for the person's age and it persists for at least four weeks in children and about six months in adults and causes problems with life functioning as well. Persons with separation anxiety disorder may be persistently worried about losing the person closest to him or her, may be reluctant or refusing to go to sleep away from them or without that person by their side, or may experience nightmares about the separation itself. The symptoms of distress often develop in childhood, and the symptoms can be carried through adulthood. It can affect relationships that includes relationships with your friends, families, and significant others. So the one common theme with all of these anxiety disorders for adults is that they have to persist longer, the symptoms have to persist longer than six months. And with children, they have to persist longer than about four weeks. And the symptoms have to be so great that they affect daily life functioning. So what does anxiety disorder look like for the black community? Black adults are about 20% more likely to report serious psychological distress than white adults. Those of us living below the poverty line are three times more likely to report serious psychological distress than those living above it. This chronic exposure to systematic oppression manifests in avoidance of value action, perceived lack of control, and internalized racism, which was um, taken from a self-evaluation study. When people in the black community are dealing with specific phobias or panic disorder, the anxiety or avoidance has to, again, negatively affect the functioning in order to be considered a disorder. And about 11% of African Americans are dealing with this type of disorder. There is some evidence to suggest that blacks have a higher rate of specific phobia than whites, and it's more likely like they have the fear of animals than anything else. The black community also faces what is called racial battle fatigue. Racial battle fatigue was conceptualized by an English professor, William A. Smith, who initially focused on African-American male students and the university faculty. RBF, um, is a result of dealing with racial-related stress-inducing situations in everyday life. These situations affect mental and emotional health. The symptoms emerge from constantly facing racial, dismissive, demeaning, insensitive, or hostile racial environments and individuals. Our racial anxiety transforms into physical symptoms such as headaches, elevated blood pressure, and increased heart rate. 
and this doesn't even account for how rbf affects our productivity happiness and overall quality of life though anxiety for some can be induced by going to a wedding or the thought of going to a wedding but for the black community it can be triggering by scenarios as simple as a traffic stop on a personal note i've actually been stopped um, by police for simple traffic stops and i can attest that it does bring this level of anxiety even though i know i haven't done anything wrong the minute i see a cop even get behind me i get anxious and then for him to turn on his lights knowing that i didn't do anything wrong it causes anxiety and i fear what could happen next rbf is this but basically on an everyday level and it can be from your workplace it can be from you know just who you interact with on a daily basis it could be who you think are your friends and they just say little racist comments or microaggressions and that you take with you and you hold with you and and it can cause these physical symptoms that affect your daily life functioning what can we do to combat anxiety my first recommendation is to become self-aware to understand that you have anxiety and that will help you um, a great deal and it, to understand that it's nothing to be ashamed of over 40 million adults in the United States are dealing with various types of anxiety disorders. In combating anxiety, one of the most effective forms of treatment is cognitive behavioral therapy. CBT helps with changing negative automatic thoughts or behaviors that come with anxiety. These thoughts are usually what causes someone to avoid the stress-inducing situation. They overthink and they make up these scenarios in their head of what can happen, so they avoid the stress-inducing situation altogether. A therapist can really help you with CBT and changing the behaviors or thoughts that you have towards the stress-inducing situation. And I know because we are in the black community, sometimes we aren't going to be able to go to a therapist of um, black skin or black experiences. Because even though that they are a black um, helping professional, that doesn't necessarily mean that you guys have experienced the same culture or experiences. So here are some questions you can ask your therapist when you're in the hunt. Have you ever treated an African-American with anxiety disorder? Because I am concerned that you may not fully understand the issues pertaining to my African-American heritage, culture, and how it influences my anxiety. Do you feel that as though that you can help? Have you been trained in multicultural issues and how do you handle this in therapy? By asking these questions, not only are you filling out your therapist, you are also doing your just. You have to understand that you have to vet these therapists out sometimes and do what's best for you and your mental health. Another way to combat anxiety is medication. So medication is not my preferred um, method in treating anxiety disorder. I usually prefer talk therapy, exposure therapy, depending on what the anxiety disorder is, but there are alternatives and medication is one of them. For persisting disorders, medication can help with reducing symptoms. But what is good to note is that the medication isn't a treatment. A medication isn't long-term. A medication, however, will... Um, medications will reduce the symptoms. It will help you, um, and eventually you'll be able to wean yourself off the medication 
and using that with talk therapy or other alternatives will eventually lead you to a life where you don't have to be on medication but i feel that with medication it is a slower process not saying that that is a bad thing because therapy is not a quick fix at all but a thing to note also is that if you are going down the the road of using medication you wouldn't necessarily be able to do that with your therapist or your counselor. Your therapist or counselor will have to refer you out to a psychiatrist, where in that meeting, if you go back to one of my episodes on helping professionals, you will see that um, psychiatrists are medical doctors that can prescribe you these medications. And with the psychiatrist, you can ask them some of these questions. What are the benefits to being on meds? How well do they work? And what are some of the expected improvements? Now, one thing to note is that not all medications affect everyone the same. You can have the same exact disorder and it will still um, affect you differently and have different side effects. So it's good to ask, what are the risks based on my medical history? To which you can explain what your medical history is if you haven't at this point, if you are comfortable. Another great question to ask is what is the cost of these medications? A lot of the times um, they'd probably have to do some background work. They would have to verify your insurance and whatnot if you are using it. And if it's an out of um, pocket cost, you can ask that as well. One of the last questions I would ask a psychiatrist is with this medication, are there any lifestyle changes that need to be made? Some medications um, require you to stop drinking alcohol, cause fatigue, or a lack of sex drive. And for some people, this would cause a lifestyle change either with their partner or with what they are doing currently in life. And another thing to know is that if you can't afford these medications, you can ask um, your psychiatrist if there are um, samples or if there's a trial period or um how long do you think it would take for these medications to um start working because you're not going to take the med and the next day you're going to feel less anxious and whatnot with most meds it takes roughly six weeks to three months to feel the effects and honestly with meds it is a trial and error kind of system sometimes one medication like let's say Zoloft would work while for another person another medication like Lexapro would work. And because these meds can be costly, it's good to know how much you can afford and how long this process might take for you. And because in the Black community we do struggle with finding these resources or the accessibility or even the affordability, so in combating um, anxiety in our community, sometimes we need to look at the alternatives. There are plenty of alternatives if you feel that the medication isn't for you or you feel that talk therapy isn't for you. Some of these are doing yoga, doing acupuncture, relaxation techniques such as meditation or stress reducing um, support groups can also help. Support groups can help in the sense where you know that you're not alone in this community and you can understand that other people do um, deal with anxiety or I am a really big advocate for group therapy and support groups. I see the benefits and I actually want to run them in the future. So hopefully you guys have learned a little bit more about anxiety and I have debunked some of the myths and misconceptions about anxiety disorder. 
And that is all I have for you guys today. Join me in two weeks as we discuss some of the ways that we can combat um, anxiety. Look out for my episode on self-care and mindfulness techniques. Just remember that I am a guide to mental health and not a replacement to seeking professional help. Join me every other Saturday for our mental health talks and follow me on IG at my Black Mental Health PC. Love and light.